Here they come! Welcome to episode 162 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host Eric Moore and today I'm joined by Ian Marchant to look at the last film in Universal's first run of horror films, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed. Well, this is your choice uh, subject for today, isn't it? Uh, it was, yeah. You said you wanted to do, um, uh, you wanted to spend a horrific afternoon, <laughs> or you might have said horrible afternoon with me, um, and you gave me carte blanche, which I, I'm very grateful for. And um, yeah, so I, I went with a film that 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 means a great deal to me, and I do think I may, I'm, it's debatable this, and I, I'm, you know, people will argue different films, but I do think for me personally, this is the pinnacle of horror comedies which are normally two words that will strike fear into anyone's heart because they're very very difficult to get right Mm -hmm. the horror comedy you can make a you can make a horror film and it can be mainly rubbish and there's still bits in it you can you can like like a lot of the italian horrors i like the gore effects but the story is a pants and then you get comedies and that's a much more difficult thing because a comedy either works for you Oh, it's the worst thing in the world, isn't it? Mm. Nothing worse than a comedy that isn't funny. Well, it's subjective comedy, it's isn't so it? so subjective, yes, yeah, so subjective. Um, and to put them two things together, so early in the run of horror movies uh, that this one is, um, and for it to turn out to be, I think it's a work of art. Mm. I, I think it's, 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 it should be placed up there with, you know, your Bride of Frankensteins and your... You know your your other films of its ilk. So, so saying that, then do do you consider this story canonical? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think canon and the Universal horror films are uneasy bedfellows. <laughs> so I think if if you can if you can go okay, it's canon that that Visaria becomes Frankenstein, becomes Visaria, moves from the coast to Central Europe to the coast, the timelines go from 1890s to 1940s, um, and then back again. I, yeah, I'm happy that this is canon. All the all the monster parts are played 100% straight. That's what that's what everybody says about this film, yeah. and, and to a degree, I... There's I, one, yeah, there's one sequence, I think. Ah, yeah, where, yeah you're yeah, preempting yeah. me, because there yeah. is one bit in this where it's like, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. but, but 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 we'll get to that. We'll get to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but none of, none of the none of the monsters they're they're all they're all treated with respect. I think um, it could have been very easy to have you know Bela Lugosi basically overplay and almost become the Sesame Street Count type mm-hmm. thing. Um, and the fact that there's a story there, it's actually the story. I mean, because this this originally was going to be a um, uh, not a comedy, uh, and the story actually sort of holds up 
I mean, certainly better than, you know, some of the stories in um, House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula. Um, yeah, I, I, I do. I think this is canon. I'm mm. happy that I'm happy that Abbott and Costello, um, or Wilbur and Chick, are in this universe. See, like None yourself, of mind. <laughs> no, like, like yourself, I'm, I, I'm a huge fan of the Universal horror films, um, but I, I'm not a huge fan of Abbott and Costello, and I think this is where we uh, slightly move apart a bit. I think, yeah, because we're, we're both huge fans of Laurel and Hardy. And I think that is yeah. the problem. Laurel and Hardy yeah, is my and... problem with Abbott and Costello in that they, they don't come close. And, you know, when I watch a Abbott and Costello film, um, number one, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Uh, yes, number yeah. two, there's no warmth between the two of them. And, and Laurel and Hardy, you know, Oliver can be downright mean to Stanley. But, you know, they were best buddies. And I've just never bought that with Abbott and Costello. There's a, there's a well, spitefulness yeah. or a meanness between the two of them. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I've, never, I've never bought that relationship. Well, I, and I think... I think some of that does come from real life, doesn't it? Because Laurel and Hardy were firm friends. Um, I mean, that the, the recent biopic does overplay a bit the um, Laurel didn't like Hardy and vice versa because of the contract stuff and that, and that, that wasn't really that accurate. Um, but, yeah, um, Abbott and Costello, I don't... I think you would be pushed to say they were friends. Certainly on um, Costello's part. Um, I think Abbott Abbott respected and wanted to be friends with Costello, but Lou Costello was by by almost universal account, or universal, by almost uh, everyone's account, uh, was a bit of a shit. Mm. Um, He wasn't a very nice man. He he tried several times to um, take more than 50% of the um the you know the profits from their act he tried to change the name to costello and abbott um he tried to go it alone at one point um yeah he wasn't a he wasn't a particularly nice man no. he, had, he had a bit of a hot temper mm. um but yeah I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it but yeah i i agree what you say there's their, their double act was very different to laurel and hardy whereas laurel and hardy came out of the silent film tradition so you you can watch their films with the sound off. Mm. You can watch them in silent versions. They're just as funny. Um, Abbott and Costello came from American vaudeville, which was basically wander onto the stage, do a routine, introduce a singing act, wander off. Mm. And you look at most of their other films, and that's exactly what it is. They'll wander onto the set, do one of their routines, introduce one of the guest stars that would sing a song, <laughs> You know, one of the uh, the romantic lead, uh, and then they would wander off. And I think this is this is a different film because um, um, uh, Barton, the director, he they wanted to pad this out with their routines. Um, Costello was very unhappy because he only felt comfortable when they were doing their routines. Hmm. And the director basically said, "No, you're not doing that in this one. You're." You're going to follow the script. There's there's one sequence which is a uh, one of their sort of known routines, which is the candlestick shtick, for want of a better word. But the rest of it is actually really, really witty, funny, clever dialogue. 
And I think that's why you respond yeah. to this film I as opposed so, yeah. to their other yeah. ones in that, yeah, there, there are barely any routines in it. Exactly, yeah. They, I, I, I do like Abbott and Costello. I find their other films, there's a couple of them that I think are sort of watchable. Most of them are unwatchable. Um, and if you've seen any of their, I think it was the Colgate Hour that they did there, their sort of that they became famous on. Um, it's almost unwatchable. It's they they did have a set number of uh, routines. Uh, obviously, who's on first is probably their most famous, mm. um, and they would just do it, do it over and over and over again in their stuff. Like I say, this this one is this one is. I think this is the best Abbott and Costello film um, of all of them, and I I sort of agree with you. Say so if you watch one, you watch them all, and if I'm going to watch one, just this one. Hmm. Yeah. Don't bother with any of the others. No. All right. Well. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's crack on and get into it. Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Dracula. You know that person you said that there's no such person? Yes. I think he's in there, in person. I was reading a sign over here, this one down here, yeah. Dracula's legend. All of a sudden I heard... That's the wind. It should get oiled. Listen, stop reading this thing. That's a lot of phony baloney to fool McDougal's customers. Now fold up that canvas and get busy. Come on. Dracula can change himself at will into a vampire bat flying about the countryside. Flying. Listen, you're making enough noise to wake up the dead. I don't have to wake him up. He's up. I saw a hand. You saw a hand? Uh-huh. Where? Right over there. Let me see it. Where is it? I saw a hand there. You don't know what you're talking about. You're all excited reading this legend. Now listen. Listen, Wilbur. I know there's no such a person as Dracula. You know there's no such a person as Dracula. But does Dracula know it? Now listen to me. McDougal will be here any minute with the insurance agent. Now get to work. We're looking at the special effects throughout the film, and uh, we have a smattering of them. Um, And um, so we'll start... And, uh, yeah, you've got an animated opening, haven't you? Um, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, a- a- animated opening of of the Frankenstein monster opening two uh, coffins with um, one little short fat skeleton in and one tall thin skeleton. Um, and uh, they they collide, get scared, collide, and turn into the, the title Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Um, which is interesting because that wasn't the title in the UK. Um, oh, what was it in the UK? It was Abbott and Costello meet the ghosts. Oh, was which it? makes even less sense. Then um, there's no ghosts in this film. No, there's no ghosts. Um, I mean, technically, you could say there's no Frankenstein. No, that's true. You know, it, it's but, the creature but, uh, or yeah, the monster. Yes. Yeah. In the Universal films, I mean, they, they, a couple of films back, they've, you know, I think it was Son of Frankenstein, like the third film. They said. Um, 
they 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 uh, you know said um, everyone calls the monster the name of Frankenstein. It's, I think that's fine. I think you know people that point out <laughs> that it was the monster's name, not the you know uh, it was the doctor's name, not the monster's. Is like yeah, okay, mm. <laughs> fair enough. But no, so yeah, it was called Abbott and Costello meets ghosts. I've never seen or been able to find anywhere that shows what the title sequence would be for the British cut. Um, because it, it it's got to be different, hasn't it? So was it was it released as actually released yeah. as that title? It was, yeah. It was it was released as Abbott and Costello meet the ghosts. I wonder um, what it looked like then. Because horror films would be banned during the war uh, in the UK, um, and this was one of the first Universals that came back after the war. Um, so so yeah, I I'd love titles. It's, it's, it's odd, um, isn't it? It's very odd, yeah. I mean, it, there's quite a bit of, of behind-the-scenes sort of stories about different scenes, different takes, different things like that, and there's not much exists. There's a few behind-the-scenes shots, mainly of, um, of, of like, the, the, the guys mucking about on set and causing mayhem. They were... They were very, very strange... I'll put it in air quotes, actors to work with, evidently, Abbott and Costello. Um, they liked a disruptive set. Right. To say the least, yeah. Um, and they they would sort of have all-night parties and hold up filming. They were, they were terrible. They, they basically wanted to sort of thumb their nose at the studios. Um, yeah, I, I've read they yeah. would play poker games and, not, yeah. and, and they couldn't start filming until they'd finished. It, the poker exactly, games yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. And stuff like that. And they they, they would hire they, they had a guy uh, who they hired on all their pictures um to, to muck about on set. And there's a, there's a I don't know if you've ever seen it, there's a classic outtake and it finishes just before the bit I won, where um Bella Lagos is coming down the staircase in the dressing gown when they go to the castle, and unbeknownst to him, their their little stooge is following him down the stairs in a cape. And Bella realizes, turn around, and you see him starting to get angry, and then it cuts. And so like, um, I want to see what happens there. Yeah, they've obviously cut that for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, we have we, we have the name of the film, and uh, and then we go into a, a quite a nice moonlit scene yeah. on that on, on thing um, of a tree on a hill. Oh, no, no, the rest of the animation. Yeah. It's very Tex Avery that yes, yeah, that uh, werewolf. Plus, you know, you've got the. Dracula and Frankenstein yeah. and old Lenore, eh? Yeah, um, the femme fatale. Yeah. Femme fatale, yes. And yeah, I'm I'm assuming um, you're, you're you're more learned in in the Universal films than me. That uh, things like this shot of London and that that's been taken from another film, has it? Um, yeah, Universal were very good um, reusing stock shots. So I imagine this is from something else. This opening shot, yeah, they they wouldn't have bothered. Mm. going over or compositing or anything I wouldn't have thought mm. um, but yeah it's it's, it's, it's it's lovely Hollywood you're in London so you must see the Houses of Parliament and it must be foggy yeah. it must be foggy and the, the the bell tower must just be about to ring yes um, yeah. yeah all, all yeah. the cliches are there aren't oh, they yeah. because Talbot's there isn't he yeah. Talbot's yeah yeah Lawrence Talbot um, the wonderful and very very uh, very very troubled Lon Chaney because he's he's dropped the junior by now. Yeah, he's just yeah. LC. Yes, yeah, LC. Um, by this point in his career, 
he was i mean it, this film has basically three functional alcoholics as the stars mm. um because both uh Lugosi and Bud Abbott were functioning alcoholics by this time but Lon Chaney not only was a functioning alcoholic he was an open swig on set in front of anyone um much to the disgust of Bella who thought that that was private and you should go elsewhere and yeah and uh it's something you, know. you do behind closed doors isn't exactly, it exactly yes yeah um but he didn't i do I, yeah <laughs> no he didn't no um i do like uh lon cheney i think he lois tolbert was the part he was born to play it's the only part i think he's he's very convincing in um and it's probably the only part you see him in where he's not bored or you know he's he's against playing it, so he's he's not putting his all in. Mm. And this is a good performance from him, I think. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I, I, I tell you what um, um, spoils it somewhat for me, and that's this this period of uh, uh, Hollywood it, with the uh, with the zoot suits. Yes. Um, later You're on, talking about his uh, his his high waist, it, his trousers yeah. almost up to his armpits. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. That's a distraction. Yeah, it's. Mm. I quite, I quite like that nineteen forties sort of fashion. The, the big suits, the baggy suits, very, very high waist. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's remarkable. I think his waist is higher than um, <laughs> Costello is in full. It's so strange. It's not a look that I would want to do. No, I got a horrible feeling we'll end up as that anyway if we haven't already. <laughs> yes. you know, that's just we're destined for it. Um, the good, the thing to say about. Um, the the print of this film is it's it's remarkably good. Um, yeah, even I'm, on DVD, it's it's yeah. That's what I got. I, 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 I got yeah. a cheapo DVD of a double bill of that and the Mummy. Then meeting the Mummy, uh, which on your advice I haven't watched. Rubbish, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, no, it's a really really good print, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. This this period in Universal with the forties. I don't know whether like camera technology changed or film you know, chemistry changed, but they seem to have held up much better than, say, the 30s horror films um, for grain, clarity of picture, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, the, the 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 sort of sequence opens on um, the slightly bloodshot eyes of of uh, Lawrence Tolbert. And I, th- I do think that, like, Lon Chaney's troubles did feed and help and... You can you can read this as as um, Lawrence Tolbert's troubles as well, can't you? Yeah, he's yeah. got bloodshot eyes because he's up all night being a wolf. Yes, yeah, and um, yeah, he's just about to, isn't he? I mean, he calls America. Yes. Um, yeah, oh, the days, isn't it? We had to book a call. Yeah, I love that. It's like operator. Haven't you got my call to uh, America yet? Oh, I, I I try. Um, explaining to our children that you yeah. know it's not that long ago that it was cheaper to make a phone call after six in the evening yes yeah. <laughs> you know, so. yeah you would save your calls up wouldn't you for cheap rate yes yeah 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 and when internet first started me and my wife we took it in turns you know you could only like have an hour because it yeah. went on your phone bill didn't it yes exactly yeah. and, and we could only to... afford like an hour so she would have half an hour on it and then i would have half an hour on it yeah. and then we'd have to give up and if that, anybody tried to load one page yes yeah. and if anybody tried calling on the landline oh, it disconnected it the internet yeah, yeah. Well, when, when I was a kid, um, we had relatives in Australia, and at Christmas we would always call them, and you had to book it. Yeah. You had to book Christmas morning, uh, a time for the slot, and then the uh, the operator would ring you, 
and say, I've got your call. And it was mad. And yeah, you could, it was like, hello, how are you? Yeah, we've got to go. We've only got three minutes. Because <laughs> it was bonkers expensive. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I guess it was then because, you know, he's, oh, he's, yeah. he's got to call. I, I'm assuming it, it is in California, isn't it? Is this does this uh, take place in California? Uh, Florida, Florida. In, All yeah, right, Miami, okay. isn't it? Or... Right, okay. Yeah, because he he's calling this packing agency. Yes, where Bud and Lou are uh, are working, um, and while talking to Lou, he transforms. Yes. Um, now, I've. Back back in the seventies, when you used to get those horror magazines and the horror bubblegum yeah. cards and things like that, I didn't mind the Wolfman. But now, after you know the Howling and modern day werewolves, I, f- I find it hard to look back on and and looking at this little pug nosed, rather cute uh, monster and think of him as monstrous. He, he he's rather sweet I, as a as a villain. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think of of the. Of all the universal canon of monsters, um, the Wolfman probably has aged the worst as far as... Yeah, he's, he's just cute and cuddly. Mm. You want to be his friend, don't you? It's like, uh, and especially now that... Because obviously Jack P. Pierce is long gone from Universal and um, Bud Westmore and his cronies are now running the shop. Um, and the, the, the Wolfman effect now is, is almost a, a full face foam appliance it's no longer yes. painstakingly built up yak hair blah 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 and it, it's got a uniform look but it's also got a very soft look um compared to the the original one i still i do like this i have, I have huge nostalgia but yeah I, I know what you mean it's it's hard to be was because like you watch the uh the carl of frankensteins and i have to say i will s- stand up for lon cheney as frankenstein as well in ghost of frankenstein um that the end sequence he is a, a powerhouse of unstoppable Terminator-esque sort of terror. Yeah, he's really good. But the mummy, I think, is still scary, especially mm-hmm. the Tom Tyler version. But yeah, the Wolfman, it's, I, I, it definitely scared me as a kid. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. When I was younger and really didn't have any other frame of reference, yeah. that was my idea of what... Uh, the Aurora kits again uh, yeah. reinforce that. That's my idea of what a werewolf looked like. You yeah, know, now it's it's very different, isn't it? It's what are your fa- favourite werewolves? Is it an American werewolf in London? Because I I do have my problems with the final form. Not not yeah yeah not the werewolf. I, I I love American yeah. werewolf in London dearly, but not the werewolf. Um, yeah. you know, um, yeah, because it's just like a giant. Bear, it almost. Looks like a, yeah, it looks. It looks like a, a rug that they've committed. The fur, there's something up with the fur on that werewolf. Yeah, yeah. my um, absolute favourite werewolf of all time is the howling werewolves. Yeah. You know, with their long snouts and their, you know, backward-facing legs and everything. Yeah. You know, that, not, that's terrific. Uh, not the marsupial werewolves from Howling Two. Though. No, not the marsupial yeah. version. Another one that I really do like. Um, in photos, it's not so good when if you watch a film. Is uh, Werewolf of London? I like I like the upward yes, snout yeah. on the Werewolf of London and the, and and the fangs of that. Not a, you know? not a bad film actually. I I recently got it because it's in the Werewolf Legacy box set, uh, and I haven't seen it really. It's one of those that never gets repeated. Um, and it's actually I mean it's not really a werewolf film, but it's yeah it's it's quite a good minimal makeup. But I think my favourite certainly at the moment is uh, Dog Soldiers. I think their yeah. werewolves are just 
I think it's the way they're filmed as well. It definitely helps. Um, but yeah, in this one we get, you know, first sequence, full shot, um, Lon Chaney as the werewolf. Yes. Um, and we get a nice little sequence where Costello's talking to him on the phone and he thinks it's the guy's dog. Yes, you know, put it's your like, dog away. <laughs> awful strange behaviour to get your, you know, call me 5,000 miles and get your dog to talk to me. Um, yeah, and it's... I think the, these these two performances, especially for, for Abba, um, are the most sympathetic these characters get. Because normally Abba is actually dead set against, and he's setting up Costello, and he's, you know, at least you get the idea in this that they're probably friends, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, I, I do like these characters. Yeah, so he, because uh, he, he thinks on the phone, he thinks Tolbert is um, McDougal, who's the owner of the House yes. of Horrors that have bought this. And this is weird as well, because in this, in this, in the universal sort of uh, universe, of course, Dracula and Frankenstein exist, mm. you know, and it's really weird when McDougal's does turn up two minutes later and he's talking to uh, um, the femme fatale, uh, Sandra. Um, it's a name for a femme fatale. Um, <laughs> And he says, oh, I'm buying the uh, the Frankenstein monster and the actual remains of Dracula. Um, watching it out of context, it's like, what? Does it, what? Yeah. Uh, but in this in this universe, it makes sense because these, these creatures do exist. Um, but, and, and one of my favourite sort of lines that I have used when working in retail is when, uh, when McDougal's banging his hand down and Costello says... Uh, what are you annoyed about? He says, I've been here five minutes. He goes, I've been here five years, but you don't hear me shouting. <laughs> so, yes, I've used that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he, he wants them to take these crates, doesn't he? Yes. Up to his yeah. house of horrors, and 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 that's what they do. Doing a during a typical Universal thunderstorm with yeah, typical yeah. Universal music to go along with it. I'm not. I, do, I, I, perhaps one of our listeners can tell us. Um, do you get those st- sort of style thunderstorms in Miami? Hmm. I thought it was more hurricanes and things, but yeah, they go to this. Um, I have to say, rather lackluster wax museum. If they because. <laughs> Weirdly, I don't know what wax museums used to be like, but it wouldn't it wouldn't fly now, is it? Because it's literally just a large room with all the exhibits higgledy piggledy yeah. laid out with no rhyme or reason. Um, but again, we get we get absolutely fantastic dialogue sequences, really really funny stuff from um, sort of Budnaloo here, uh, class, classic stuff because uh, they, they 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 need to unbox the crates, and of course the uh, the sort of the the shtick is that Abbott never sees any of this, but Costello sees the monsters, and Abbott doesn't believe they're real. Um, and it's 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 really good. I like this sequence. The candlestick. This is one of their. They used to do this in other films. That uh, Costello would see something and then bring Abbott back. Nothing would happen. He would go off, do it again. And I think it it goes on one beat too long. Yeah. Um, to be truly funny, it's like okay, yep, we've got that. <laughs> we, do, we understand what's happening. Do you know what what certificate was it? Was it when it was released? Uh, this was an X, I think. So this was out. an out and out horror film. This wasn't for children. Um, well, I, th- I think because X was slightly different, wasn't it? It was a sixteen, yeah. I think. It was over yeah. sixteen. The, the the X's um, back then. It's a good good point. I I think it was an X. Um, 
I would need to look it up. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty certain it was because they they originally had H for horror. Yes. Um, and then I think it went over to X, which was sort of mainly reserved for horror films. Um, but I think in the states this was an A, wasn't it? So this was I can never remember because it used to. I mean, I was around when A and double A. Which was the highest? Was it? Uh, double A was over fourteen. Yeah, wow, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. To be over fourteen, yes. Yeah. So yeah, this this was definitely aimed at at, uh, at adults, I think, rather than kids. But would children be scared of it now? If 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 a seven year old was to watch this now, I I don't think they would find it I scary. I don't think so. No. So all no, this I bit that's so. that, that's happening, you know, with Dracula in and out the coffin. Yes. Do you think people were scared by this? Um, it's it's one of those weird things that it's almost impossible for us to determine because you, you know, you read reports where people were like in the original Thirty One Dracula, which, you know, as much as I love that film, it's not scary at all, and yet people were passing out mm. according to reports, you know, and running out of the cinema screaming, and I, it's like, oh, I don't know, I I, I presume so, I presume people must have got. Shivers. There's there's quite a few reviews of this film from the time where you know the 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 reviewers do mention that there's a suitable number of um, you know of, of uh, scary sequences enough to keep even the you know the, the most hardened. It must have done. Hmm. Um, I, it's different. It's, it's almost impossible for us to put ourselves back into yes. that, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, it's like thinking back to George Powell's War of the Worlds, you know, which yeah. is uh, quite a sweet little film. But back then, that yeah, was an ex-certificate, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've got I've got a set front of house stills from um, Godzilla versus uh, Ebera, Horror of the Deep, a giant prawn, and they're ex-certificate. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that wouldn't frighten my cat. No. It's just that I've never yeah. ever found Bella Lugosi scary, even when I was little. Um, I never found I, him scary. I, when I, when I was sort of um, in my formative years, I always preferred Boris Karloff to Bella. I thought Boris was a better actor. I thought his films were better. Um, and then I sort of, I got into a sort of period where I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into Bella because you know I, I'd seen Dracula. 1931 Dracula once and I found um, it was on uh, like a when BBC started showing Universal Horrors on a Friday night they would do like a double bill and I was so looking forward to Dracula because I loved the Dracula story and I watched it and it was like what the hell is this <laughs> this what what this is just people talking to each other nothing's happening well, it was a stage play film it was yeah, wasn't it? yeah I don't know why they did that though I don't know why they went to the effort of paying for the stage play when the actual novel was in public domain they yeah. could have just done their own adaptation yeah. madness um and every film version sort of since really has been based on that uh stage play it's it's terrible um so i i didn't i was like i i gotta look into bella and the more i looked into him the more the more i admired the man and the more i liked his performances um and now to the point where i i prefer his performances to Boris Karloff's. Well, that is a bit of a switch. Yeah, um, and I, I, I would say I'm probably a bigger Bella fan. Uh, but I'm the first to admit he he was he was only suitable for certain roles. Yes, 
Um, and that it, it was not, not through that he couldn't act, it's just unfortunately his very, very heavy Hungarian accent. Also, that's what people really wanted from things. him. Yeah. It was yeah. a success, so they want more of the yeah. same, don't they? His his backstory is just one of... of, of I mean, we, we've, we had the Ed Wood film where they did a little bit on Belagosi, but it's... Although it's, um, I think it's it's means well and it's it's trying to convey the spirit. It's it's not accurate at all, not in any real sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to see an actual Bella Lugosi biopic because it's just the man had a fascinating and tragic life and a uh, tragic end as well. Didn't tragic he? end as well, yeah. And by this point, because because Universal fell out with him very early on, um, and it was basically when he refused to do Frankenstein and they, the thing about the studio system back then, even though universal by this point is not owned by the Lemelers or anything like that, he was down as we don't want him. Mm. He, he's a troublemaker. So they would not offer him roles. And like, I think you said the other day, you were amazed. This was the only, he only ever played Dracula twice. And then yeah. this is the second performance um, on film. He obviously played it on stage a fair bit. Um, so yeah, they, they basically, they hired him, for this film uh, at, I think it was $500 a week, which was extra rates. Um, They they treated him terribly. Um, The the only good thing was that, uh, you know, it's a great performance. I think this is is probably a stronger Dracula than the original one in a weird way, although he's quite old and (laughs) heavily made up. But I, I I like his performance in this. I think it's really good, um, and he did have a flair for comedy that they no one really utilised except when he played um, uh, Igor. Yeah. In, uh, no, no, he, and that, that, yeah. that was a good role. Brilliant, that was a good role. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you you're comparing uh, the, his first Dracula with his second Dracula, this one here. You know, um, where you have a similarity between the two, and, and what I love about the very first. Uh, Lugosi Dracula is is the uh, the set decorating the creepiness of, yeah. of of those wonderful sets and you do have it to a degree here you know with yeah, the broom yeah. closet as as yes. Lou calls yeah. it later on um, the uh, yeah the castle sets I love them love them yeah yeah I mean the the sets in this are almost a special effect in themselves aren't they they're, they're astonishing there, there's a, always a sort of um, a thought that this is a that the Universal Monsters had, had reached their nadir, no one was interested, and this was a, a tuppenny halfpenny production just to ring out a few more quid. And it couldn't be further from the truth. This was a prestigious uh, production. There's a lot of money went into it, um, a lot of talent, and it shows that the sets are beautiful. The script is great. The score is amazing, um, and the makeup effects are good. Mm. There's there's nothing cut price or second tier about this film at all no no all right uh where were we yes so yeah you've got this sequence of dracula getting in and out the coffin and this is the only time we ever see dracula getting in and out of a coffin in either film Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and to be fair to you know to be fair i i have i have had to on occasion get out of a coffin um (laughs) there's an admission yeah, there's a, there's an admission, and it's quite difficult. And to be fair, Bella he pulls it off with a plum. Mm. He, he's very graceful getting in and out of that coffin. I I imagine he's practiced it a bit over the years. Yes, in the stage plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he 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 hypnotizes uh, 
uh, Lou. Yeah, but you, um, you you wonder, to begin with, when he first starts doing this, what's the business with the cape? Why is he pulling his cape up to his nose in that very, you know, now rather, yeah. you know... Uh, I think it's obvious. just to accentuate his eyes. I thought, to yeah. begin with, because later on they don't recognise, Lou doesn't recognise him oh, to be Dracula. Be on... Ah, yes, you're right. Yeah, and I thought it was right, that, yeah. but no, after they know that he is indeed Dracula, Bella keeps doing it. So I, do, yeah. I maybe it is to accentuate his eyes. Maybe yeah. it is because he did have amazing eyes. It, it focuses in on him, and it's uh, you know it's good. And he does his Hungarian uh, hand waving. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so when yeah. anyone mentions hypnotism, I have to do that now. <laughs> do of course, that. of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. He he hypnotizes Lou, um, yeah. and uh, then goes off and wakes up the monster with these like um, yes. composited lightning effects onto his. On, onto his bolts and, yes. and, and it's, you get a really good view on this more so than you do on like some of the other frankenstein films um that they're not bolts they're electrodes with with another wire coming out of them yes they're like a, yeah and it's and no one ever gets that detail right but yeah this is um this is uh glenn strange as yes the yeah. monster because of course yes they 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 offered it back to Karloff. yes didn't they but he, quite he, rightly went nah. no but didn't they give him an awful lot of money to publicize it yes, and, they, and basically stand outside a theater that had a poster and he got an awful lot of money for doing yeah, that yeah he he got more for doing that than he got paid for the original frankenstein just <laughs> to stand outside of a a theatre, I think it was Grauman's theatre, and point at the poster, and they took a load of, you, you see lots of different shots of it. Um, yeah, he he was happy to do that. And, um, yeah, he and also he was happy because he came back in um, House of Frankenstein. Uh, and again, a great part. And, and the fact that I, you know, I now prefer Lugosi doesn't mean any less for Karloff. I think Karloff is amazing. Um, but yeah, he was, he was okay. He was happy enough to, to associate with the universal horror still, mm. but there was no way he was going to play Frankenstein again, which is weird because he did one more time in Hell's a Poppin, mm. um, yep. which there, there's a sequence of, of shots of him being made up by Jack Pierce that everyone goes, oh, it's from Bride Frankenstein. And it's not, it's from Hell's a Poppin. It's a sequence that doesn't exist anymore. It's just, the, again, the history of, of the Frankenstein monster at Universal is just unbelievably fascinating. Yeah, I find it fascinating and rather, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh dear, that um, yeah, Glenn Strange is is the monster in this film, and yeah. that when Karloff died, um, many, many of the obituaries actually had a photo of Glenn Strange yeah. as the monster rather than Karloff. Um, yeah, Glenn, Glenn Strange was chosen purely for the fact that he was a big guy, he was cheap, um, and he was affable. Mm. He wouldn't make waves. He would do whatever they wanted, sometimes to the detriment of his health. Um, and it, I, I do like his monster, but his monster is just an unthinking automaton. It's, there's no real character. Yeah. But also, I think you've said before on another episode of something or other that we've done is that, um, you know, Glenn Strange and others that weren't Karloff are copying the blinded yes, monster. Yeah. You, you see it in this, the way he walks. Yeah. As it's, if he's yeah. blind, which he isn't. Yeah, it's. I, my my theory on it is that where everyone that came to subsequently play it after Lugosi was only ever given Lugosi, would you know, Frankenstein meets Wolfman to watch, mm. and they go, "Oh, look, that's how he walks. That's how he walks." With his eyes um, virtually shut as yeah, well. Yeah, his eyes his eyes shut and his arms outstretched, oh, almost as if he's blind. It's very strange, um, and it's not. 
I think of the monsters we we see. Uh, this is Glenn. Unfortunately, gets the least to do and is the least impressive. Yeah, isn't um, this the only time his monster talks? Is in this film. Uh, well, he talked in he, the only time his monster talks. Yeah, but yes. obviously the the monster talked in Bride. Yeah, no, uh, Glenn Strange's yeah, he, monster. This is the only yes. time. Yeah, he never talked before, and it's it's very sort of because he's like yes, master, no, mm. master, um, and he gets one sequence which I I swear is. Is the uh, this is someone saw this and went hmm monsters because because as he's going out he, when he sees he, Lou exactly he goes oh I and it's thought just that. like Fred yeah, Gwynn yeah that is Herman yeah. Munster yeah that cry he does is Herman yeah. Munster I thought exactly the same thing yeah and I'm sure someone saw that and then went that'd be a funny character wouldn't it a, a Frankenstein and because it is it's just it's uncanny um, yeah but yeah the uh, so, so Dracula uh, takes the monster away, and um, Bud and Lou, the McDougal and the insurance guy, turns up, and they think that I don't know why they think that they've stolen them, being as they're just the baggage men. Yes, and but, where would you put but, them if you have stolen them? Exactly. Yeah. What are you going to do with them? But to uh, to get the plot moving, they think so. They get them arrested, and um, they think they've stolen them. Yeah. And next we get our first special effects of the film, which is that yes, lovely yeah. model of Castle Dracula on that teeny tiny island. It looks like that island's only big enough to take the castle. Yeah, I, universal topography was always wonderful, wasn't it? That's like, why would you build a castle just on this thing? Open the front door and you fall into the sea. Mm. Um, very weird. Also, our, our sort of down Miami and Florida way, do they have a lot of these castles? We have to ask Matt. Matt yeah, lives in Matt, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that every island's got its own castle. Uh, it's a lovely model sequence, though. And we get... Um, it's not the first time it's used, but it's probably the most famous is we get the uh, the animated uh, effect of the bat turning into Dracula. Yeah, so is this the very first time we ever no, see... No, it was, it was used in House of... Uh, uh, Frankenstein, House of Dracula... With Caradines. What the? Uh, oh, of Dracula. course. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Everyone forgets Caradines Dracula. This is this is the thing when people go, Bella Gosey wasn't a good actor. He played Dracula twice and realistically played it once enough that even now the character is as Bella Lugosi played it. Yes. No one ever mimics. David John, Carradine, uh, John Carradine, David Carradine. That David would be Carradine. a that would yeah, be a dragon. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it, first of all, this bat is is animated. Yes, and then uh, that it that it sort of like segues into the flapping model bat on yes, wings, which yeah. is never a, a a good thing to see. I mean, Hammerwood's doing it, you know, it twenty like, yeah, years no, later, and it and it still looks. Duff. No one could ever get bats right, could they? No, because bats flap their wings like mad. They don't lazily go up and down yeah, like just this, very like. slowly bobbing yeah. up and down. Yeah. yeah, it and he stops and he hovers. Bats can't hover. Um, and he hovers, flapping very slowly in front of the window, looking yeah. at our love interest, old Professor Stevens there. Yeah, well, now this guy is a plank of wood and pointless to the story. Yeah, this weird, weird idea at this time that you had to have a a romantic lead. Mm. Otherwise, the the women won't come and watch, which is just weird. Um, And also a bit of a snub to Bud and Lou that obviously someone thought, you're not, no no women are going to come and watch you, mate. Well, you know, 
10 years before exactly that principle was was happening in the Lauren Hardy yes, feature yeah. length films you you would have a a, a love affair yeah, blooming i hated that tacked i used on. to fast forward through that yeah yeah I, some of those are yeah. just almost unwatchable because you've got to wait a good 30 minutes before you know our heroes come back yeah, i'm not interested like, in the soap opera bits yeah it's like swiss miss or babes in thailand you've got a couple of really nice Lowell and hardy sequences and then 20 minutes of this interminable love story and they songs then thought, yeah they then went well it's a love story you've got to have a song yeah everyone likes a song no get rid of it their yeah. shorts were so much better yes yeah all right, so this, this flapping bat flaps across to the yep. front door and the image switches to an animated black silhouette of the yep. bat, which then turns into a cartoon bat turning into Dracula. I think this is yes. a bit more involved. It's ages since I've seen House of Frankenstein, but th this is a bit more involved. I think it? this is the, the, yeah, this is the, this is the one everyone remembers. And I think at this point, I won't say they perfected it because at no point does it look realistic. But I like. I think it's. I think it's quite a good effect. Yeah, it's um, quite sweet, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And and it's quite seamless. The join either side yeah, really, um, really um, to go from the the model flapping bat yeah. to to Bella through animation. I mean, it's not rotoscoped. I don't think or anything like that. No, um, it, it's early days, but it's not bad. It's not no, bad. I, I think it, it does. It does the job, and it's better than cutting away and then cutting back. And mm. Bella's just stood there looking shifty. You know? Yeah. Oh, I definitely turned from bat. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when Bella goes in, and we get Dracula's. Yes. Um, you know, we, we we get more of a hint of what's going on with the with the uh, the du duplicious um, Lenore. Lenore, yeah. Lenore, she, sorry. Um, yeah. So so it's interesting because Dracula, she sort of says about Dracula, um, and uh, Dracula goes well. How much more dangerous than those curious experiments you did in Europe that the police were... And you think, curious experiments in Europe around this time. Is she a Nazi? Yes, exactly. This isn't That's long after the war, is no, it? No, no. So I, I think there's definitely a hinted Nazi past to her, especially with her accent. Um, but yeah, she. so, so the, the plot <laughs> is that uh, Dracula wants the Frankenstein monster revived to full power but he doesn't want um, the same mistake Frankenstein made, which is that the brain's damaged. So he wants uh, uh, Lenore to, or Sandra, to um, find a, a, a stupid brain, a docile puppy dog brain, to pop into the monster thing. The, the Universal Films had a really weird relationship with the self, your identity and your brain. The brain wasn't connected to your identity really was it no. like in there's a mad bit in um house of frankenstein where uh boris is telling the people that he's kidnapped what he's going to do with them and it's like what mate this is so complicated you're going to take your brain put it in the monster take the monster's brain put it in the werewolf take the werewolf's brain <laughs> <laughs> well don't bother uh, it's mm. not worth it but yeah so she's um she's decided that <laughs> that lou's brain uh, is ideal because it's there's not a thought in it <laughs> it's, mm. it's very, again very disparaging to Lou isn't it this it film? is it yeah. is and maybe this is why you know he didn't like the script yeah, he, said, he said his five-year-old could have yeah, written a better hate, script. Hated this script he didn't he didn't show any respect to this film until his mother saw it on the premiere and turned to him and said this is your best work yeah 
and it, because he absolutely he was you know, he, his mum ruled his he, life. He idolised her, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. I idolised her. Yeah. He uh, only at that point did he realise that he's actually you know this is good stuff. Yeah, he hated it. He he didn't want it. He thought it was tripe. Yeah, and the only reason he did it was they gave him a fifty thousand dollar advance, didn't they? Because yeah. he was yeah he he was yeah he had, he had not I mean he unlike Bird. I don't think he had a drinking problem, but by God, did he have a gambling problem? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He uh, he never ever kept hold of money. He mm. was constantly uh, in debt. So yeah, he jumped at it for the money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, this is back when you could you could do something you didn't want to do just for the money with no interest in it, and still give it a hundred percent and he mm. does he's really good in this it's some of his best work yeah i quite like the 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 sequence that comes next which is when you know talbot arrives and yes. has, has the hotel r- room directly opposite them but the only thing is i mean you said and a lot of people said that uh you know this is a comedy but but the appeal is that the the that the monsters are played straight but um for for me, this is where you know uh, the Wolfman loses all of his effectiveness yeah. because he he's he's not the monster that we know. He's he's just ineffectual now. He can't catch Lou in the apartment, and later on in the woods, it's just daft. Yeah, they the the Wolfman's the only one really that that <coughs> pardon me uh, that gets. Uh, I'm just going to have a mouthful of drink. My throat has just closed up because I've been in the attic all day. Hold on. Mm. We must say that <coughs> you're not in the attic right Sorry. now, are you? No, 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 no. I'm all right. You're in the <coughs> broom closet, which is the cellar. I'm in the yeah. I'm in the broom closet with the uh, with the boat moorings. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the Wolfman does get played for a little bit for laughs in a couple of sequences. This sequence is it, it's really weird in the um, I think in, in the Greg Mank book, he says that audiences of 1931 could never have, or uh, when was Wolfman, 36, 41? No, I 41, think it's 41. It? Yeah. yeah. Audiences from 1941 could never have accepted that, that the, the, the terrible Wolfman could run around a hotel room constantly missing a short, fat comedian. Mm. And I, I think that's true, but I think this is this is how all monsters progress. You look at all the monsters we have now. You know, you look at look at the alien in Alien. You couldn't imagine it doing laughy hijinks and things that it does in Resurrection. Mm, true. Yeah, and that was a much shorter time period. On uh, Freddy Krueger, you can't imagine you know laughing at the Freddy in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. But by you know part six or part seven, he's a figure of comedy, and I think yeah. this is just a natural progression for for horror characters. I think it's done quite sweetly in this, but you're absolutely right. It's like, and the timing's slightly off in that it looks like Lon Chaney could easily grab him, but is holding back for mm. Lou to move. Yeah, it, it's a nice comedy sequence, but it yeah it doesn't doesn't make you. Uh, you sort of um, fearful of the Wolfman, but I suppose here's a question. I suppose as as the human part of the Wolfman, the human side, ages and becomes less efficient. Does the Wolfman? Is this just an aging Wolfman? It's got a bit of arthritis or something. Yeah, I think so. I mean, at one point in a couple, if they'd have carried on making these, you might have got a Wolfman with a Zimmer frame. Yeah, 
didn't just stumbling after someone. All turned grey. Yeah, oh, grey wolf moon. Yeah. Didn't we get one with um, uh, Anthony Hopkins? He was a grey wolf man, was he, in that um, remake of Wolfman? Do you remember? Oh, a what, the, back, the, yeah. the um, Benicio Del Toro Benicio one, yeah. yeah. No, he was grey, wasn't he? But yeah, I, I, I'm okay. I, I, I'll give, I'll give this a pass. All right. That I, I agree. It's not. He's not a scary character in this. But then he's also meant to be the semi-hero, isn't he? In this. Yeah. Yeah. He comes you know. to the rescue. Yeah. Yeah. Would, would the kids have cheered him on if he had have ripped Lou's head off and <laughs> drunk his blood out of his neck socket? Some of the audience might. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I. On a similar thing, we have the broom closet sequence, yes. you know, with the revolving wall and all yeah. that, and Lou sitting on the monster's lap, and it's like, um, that's all right, because, you know, he's not quite with it, the monster, yeah, at that point. I um, I also like that sequence, cause, um, because obviously Abbott and Costello had just spent like 10 years doing their act where they play Abbott and Costello. He calls, he calls him Abbott in that sequence. Mm. If you listen, hey Abbott! <laughs> so, oops. <laughs> didn't, didn't need a retake? No, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I, he is, he is a, it's a, it's a nice sequence, but it is problematic if you're looking at this as a horror film. Yes. It's all right as a Abbott and Costello film. As a comedy, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Lou is out in the woods and um, and meets Dracula in the woods and we've got the cartoon effect again um, when he, um, you know, goes back into a bat and he flaps away and then he turns back into Dracula again. Um, and we'll zip along towards the end where we've got the climax of the film where, you know, this brain switch is yes. going to happen and uh, you've got the laboratory all that those fantastic electrical devices oh, that they amazing, had yeah. they're not in it that you have machinery there but all the electrical yeah. arkings that's all composited in isn't it it's not actually on set being filmed so uh, i think the the the, the van der Graaff generators you know the the, mm. the sparking machines up in the ceiling they're genuine oh they're are they they, they look like they were yeah. added on to me no, oh think, no they think, were there were they yeah i think they're genuine because i think this is the this is a sequence that bella references later on um well he does it in ed wood but he he did it in interviews and that's where he said that um that they were very dangerous right um, but uh yeah this it's weird this end sequence is everyone uh, another another horror comedy that is just amazing carry on screaming mm-hmm. um everyone goes oh it's taking it's taking off the hammers it's the hammer so but this the whole end of that film is pretty much the end of this film yes um, very similar because yeah, um, I I do love this end sequence because we've got like it. It's the one time that all the monsters are in the same room, and it's the the only yeah. time I think Talbot ever talks to Dracula as well. Yes, is in yeah. this film. Yeah, I do wonder how Talbot became a sworn enemy of Dracula. There's definitely a, a story there that we're missing, isn't it? What? How did they become enemies? Well. I mean, when was the last time Dracula was in a Universal horror film? Was that for House of Frankenstein? Uh, yes. So, but they didn't meet in that, did they? They didn't meet in no, that. And when was that set? No. Uh, a dubious time period. It was. Everyone was wearing nineteen forties clothing, but it was in Middle Europe, and there was no sign of the war. So, I'm presuming sometime between. 
1890 and 1940. Because mm. that's what I'm thinking. I mean, if the, if this is, you know, set in the year that it was made or the year before, yeah. you know, we're talking mid-40s or just after the Second World yeah. War. Where was Drac Was Jack Dracula in Europe <coughs> while... Germany was rampaging across it. I reckon he must have been, yeah. Is that why Dracula this, left yeah, then? Could be. Or in this in this uh this timeline, this universe, um the Second World War didn't happen. Oh yeah. Possibly. Well Germany um, might not have been created in this yeah. universe. Hey. Yeah, that, that's it. They might never have unified because of no, no one wanted. Yeah, Bavaria, State Bavaria, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, because yeah. they all yeah, have their own individual well monsters, and maybe that's why they it, didn't come yeah. together. Possibly. So having monsters prevented the Second World War. Maybe the First World War as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm guessing then that's where Talbot, because Talbot's in London, but maybe, yes. you know, he's he's on he's in pursuit of Dracula, and there's more to this story before that, Some somewhere in Europe. Yeah. Talbot was uh, pursuing Dracula or trying well, you, to track him you down. Could, um, I mean, you could. There, there's probably a really good hor but horrible fanfic there, isn't there, that you could do where where Dracula's in Europe working with the Nazis in the concentration camps or something. And that's where he meets Sandra. Um, mm. He's doing stuff with blood. Um, Talbot is gone over. He's a little bit old for the war, but he could have gone over as a GI or something. And that's when he's sin Dracula because Talbot was was cured of course in, yeah so while in, in Europe he's got bitten again he's yeah, been he's bitten got, by he's, another he's werewolf he's found another werewolf what are the chances of that chances? eh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor old Talbot he's an unlucky fellow no yeah. wonder he found um, the bottle dear oh dear yeah, well it'd drive anyone to drink wouldn't it um, so you, you you could you could um, you could string it together um, mm. yeah it's very nebulous isn't it it is whole, like it is nebulous whole, the whole idea of universal each of these films is a separate entity really yeah There's you can't you, continuity we, you you've mentioned this on mad max yeah. in character if you tried tying up the continuity Ooh. in the universal films it's impossible yeah. you can't yeah. they were li like little standalones yeah and this with... is why i think it was you know when they recently tried to several times to launch the dark universe yes <coughs> it's like they were never they were never connected really you know, no one looks at Dracula and goes, "You've changed from last time I saw you." Yeah, you're a thin guy with a tash. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's All very right. Strange. Um, as I, as I say, you know, um, it does cheapen the threat of the Wolfman somewhat. You know, yep. the scenes, and and we've got it again, which is when the full moon rises, Talbot yes. changes again, and you've got Lou strapped to the operating table, who manages to thwart the Wolfman by kind of like kicking the table next to him. Yeah, you know? I do. I think this is a great sequence because it's it's so. I mean, when I was watching this, I kept sending you uh, screenshots of it. Um, I love the sequence because it's it's so well done. Because yeah, they've um, through various uh, means, Dracula has got Lou and he's tied down, and Sandra was going to uh, start operating on him, and then uh, Bud and Talbot and the plank of wood burst in um, and stop it, and then uh, Bud goes after Dracula. Um, trying to hold him off with a chair, etc., and a uh, plant pot at one. And a plant <laughs> pot, yeah. Um, well, he's, he's, there's certain plants Dracula doesn't like, and it might have been a hawthorn, a garlic plant. Yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah. just throw, throw some pizza at him. Right. <laughs> um, and Talbot goes to unstrap Lou, and it, it's a really nice sequence because you cut from 
from Tolbert as <coughs> Lon Chaney as Tolbert, and it cuts down, it cuts up onto Lou's face, and then you see Lou reacting, it cuts down, and the hands have become the werewolf hands. Yes, yeah. Really, yeah, nicely, nicely done. But yeah, he kicks, he manages somehow to kick the 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 operating table and it starts spinning and that stops uh, the wolfman from attacking him but then of course um the frankenstein monster is revived at that point yes and uh, so he gets up and we get some nice <coughs> some nice and rare sort of emotional acting from glenn strange so he, he you know he when he looks up he looks angry and it's really nice and then he um he picks up uh, sandra and throws her out of a window. Yes. And now, unfortunately, while doing it, um, he he she swung back. She was on a Kirby wire. She bounced off the window, swung back. He, because uh, he's a gallant guy, tried to grab her, fell over and broke his leg. Yes. Well, um, no, his foot. I think he broke his, his foot, foot yeah, rather his than ankle. his leg. Yeah. You, you can see later on when he's tromping over the gates, you can see that one boot is a quite a bit bigger than the <laughs> yes. other. So. Um, so this was going to hold up filming, but um lon chaney who generally was again a very difficult person to work with and hated playing the frankenstein monster always swore he'd never do it volunteered to get into the costume he did indeed continue, yeah and you can see him in the film he looks completely different yeah and he's, it's when he's he turns still, round and yeah. then start because yeah. he's in the background and he turns round and starts coming towards the camera yeah and yeah you can see that is not glenn strange no and that's um that's Lon Chaney, um, obviously the last time he ever played the Frankenstein monster. And he, you, he's putting a bit of effort into it as well. Mm. Um, they presumably got him on a good day. Uh, but there, then we get this sort of this chase through the castle, broken into two groups. And like I say, it's very um, carry on screaming. Mm. Uh, so um, Lou and, uh, and Abbott are chasing after Dracula at one point. Uh, no, they're chasing after Frankenstein monster. And um, we get some very sticks where Lou pretends to be Bella, which is a nice little yeah. sequence. Um, and then they lock him in a door and we get another great effect sequence where uh, Glenn Strange was meant to punch through one of the door panels. Mm -hmm. And Lou, without telling him, positioned his head in front of it so that when now, he punched him, he whacked I, him. Yeah, yeah, I read that he ignored the direction of you've yes, got to put yeah. your head here. And uh, yeah, he, he got it completely in the way of the, yeah. the lightweight panel that... Glenn Strange's fist was yeah, just about and it's, to come through. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great sequence. and But evidently, Glenn Strange was really cut up about it because he, he didn't want to hurt, you know, he was a gentle bloke. He didn't want to hurt anyone. Uh, and Lou was basically trying to tell him, you know, ah, it's, it's funny. Don't worry about it. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, he doesn't break character. You can see that the no, fist actually no. does yeah, land on his right cheek. Him, yeah. But he's, he's, he looks at the camera, pulls a face, and yeah. off they go again, you know? Yeah, and... Uh, uh, the Wolfman is uh, is chasing after Dracula, and yeah, it's 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 not it's really nice finally these two meet. But it is two elderly <laughs> alcoholic men chucking having a fight, potted yeah, plants chucking at each other. Potted plants at each other. <laughs> um, Dra Dracula t finds the balcony. He's going to um, he's starting to turn around to turn into a bat, and he he does a cartoon turn into a bat, and then the Wolfman or the stuntman dressed as the Wolfman does this amazing leap and grabs him and goes off the cliff. It's brilliant. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it's really good. It's a, it's a lovely sequence. Um, the water effect at the bottom when they hit isn't right. so good. Yeah, it's pretty um, tough. That splash yes. effect. 
is yeah, is all, pretty bad, isn't it? It is. It reminds me of the splash effects in uh, the Dam Busters. Yes. Yeah. 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 When the explosions. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not not great. Um, and um, I'm presuming Dracula dies because all the people he's uh, hypnotized at that point snap out of it. Well, yeah. Um, uh, vampires can't stand running water. That will no. kill them, won't it? So I guess. Yeah. yeah it's so true I didn't. To the book. Um, oh, which one was it? The 1970s Hammer one, where someone. Drought got killed in a bath because the shower was on. Do you remember? Oh yes, um, um, I think that's Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. Seventy two. Caroline Monroe. That's it. Caroline Monroe. Yes, yes. That's watched, why you remember yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Drac- Dracula and the Wolfman presumably dead, um, and then uh, Bud and Lou escape from the castle and they run off to get into a boat on the dock and McDougal turns up. Um, and the Frankenstein monster is clumping after him. Like I say, if you watch that sequence carefully, uh, especially on the Blu-ray, which is just gorgeous, um, you can see that there's like the monsters in a cast on one foot. Mm. You know, but fair dues to Glenn Strange, he's he's clumping away. Yeah. Um, and then they uh, they the, the monster goes after them and sort of ineffectually starts throwing barrels at them in a Donkey Kong-esque way. Uh, and the wooden plank does this one thing that he ever does in this film. He uh, sets light to the jetty. To the wooden planks. To the wooden planks, yeah. He burns his own people, yes. which is terrible. <laughs> um, it's, it's dangerous because he could have gone up easily. Yes, of course, cool, yeah. But why yeah. does the monster decide to walk into the flames? I don't know. I One of the reviewers at the time said this was an ignoble end for Glenn Strange's monster. Um to just blindly walk into the flames. I think at this point he probably he's had enough, and he mm. so, oh god, I can't, I can't be doing any more of this. But yeah, he stu- rather stupidly walks into the flames, uh, turns into a very obvious um, dummy, dummy. Yep. Uh, and burns up, and that's the last we see. Although he's suffered worse fates than this, and come back, yeah, you know, scot free in the Universal he's, series. He's so. had a burning windmill fall on top of yeah. him. And got up. I think he's been burned about three times, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, bless him. Um, well, he's just going to fall in the water. That will put the yeah, flames out. Yeah. The, the next film would have just started with a fisherman going up the jetty and him coming out. He's yeah, been so, under there ever a since. A soggy monster. Yeah. Soggy monster, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Bud and Lou are in a boat, and um, Vincent Price turns up as the Invisible Man. Obviously, Vincent Price had recently played the Invisible Man. I always forget yeah. that we've got a cameo voice yeah. at the very yeah. end. And a cigarette and special uh, unappearance. Yeah. Um. So. So presumably, the Invisible Man has been sitting on that boat throughout. You know. Yeah. The climax of the film just. Well, happened. we don't know. He he might have been in every scene. He could have been. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know this. He might have been following him about. He was delivering some potted plants, and then yeah, he, he was off. a potted plant salesman. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then the the, the film ends. Um. And a good time was had by all. It goes along very fast. It's only like an hour and yeah. 20, isn't it? It's uh, back when brevity was the the best thing about Universal films, really. They they never outstayed their welcome. And, um, of course, it easily yeah. fits in a double bill once yeah, you're done exactly. with it yeah, as well. You can, yeah, you can, uh, you can get more showings in a day as well. Yep. Which means um, an extra ticket sale. Indeed, uh, there you go. You're the behind the scenes. You're going to know all of this, but yeah, uh, no I'm not talking to you, Ian. I'm talking to the listener. All right. So you will know that the original script, uh, you said earlier, it had the mummy in it. Yeah. It also it had. Mess. Yeah. <laughs> Alucard was in it as yeah. well. Um, well, it's it's nice. Yeah, that's weird as well. That 
the original script treated the uh, the Alucard character from Son of Dracula that that he wasn't Dracula. Mm. He was actually Dracula's son, but in the film, it doesn't really imply that. It implies no. it's just Dracula under a pseudonym. Well, maybe the um, scriptwriter didn't know that and just put down, oh, it's Dracula's yeah. son. Because they, they wanted, um, at one point, they wanted uh, Lon Chaney to play all the parts, didn't they? Mm. That was the kind of be the shit. Oh, can you imagine he would have not been a happy man? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he, he got two. He got two. Yeah. And also, the Invisible Man was going to be in it as well. He was the third yeah. one, wasn't he? Um, and um, yeah, as I said, Boris Karloff refused to do it. That's why Glenn Strange came back. Um, now, Jack Pierce um, was got rid of during that changeover period, yeah. you know, from Universal to Universal International, not only as a way of slimming things down and saving money, but they considered him too old at 58 and his techniques obsolete. Now, that's bloody stupid. This man has created these iconic characters and generated so much money for you, and now yeah. you have the arrogance to go, no, you're, you're past it, and anyway, your techniques, they're not yeah, no good. Uh, the, the history of Universal, like I say, is fascinating. Um, they, it was a shitty company. They treated everyone... Uh, they were a corporation. They were out to make money. There, there was no place for... for friendships or anything like that so yeah um they they considered that uh, jack pierce was he would take too long to do things because he did it the old you know as they saw it the old-fashioned way of of doing it with a bit of craft um and also they they really wanted him gone because he was he in their view he wasn't compliant you know with with what they wanted to do mm. um and it, it's such a shame because the other thing with jack pierce is he was a um he was a studio contractor, so he had no rights to anything he created. No. He got this. He got a flat wage for everything. He never got any kudos uh, at the time for anyone, and they just got rid of him with no payoffs, no nothing. It was you're sacked, mate. Off you go. Um, and again, he had a bit of a ignoble end, didn't he? he died pretty much in poverty. Such. Um, it's just. Yeah. It's awful, isn't it? And talking about awful, and we talked about this um, on, on a previous episode of this show when you and I first talked Universal Films, when we did Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. We were saying just how awful and outrageous that Millicent Patrick, yes, the designer of the Creature from the Black Lagoon, was basically whitewashed out of history. Yeah. And uh, the infamous Bud Westmore, Bud Westmore yeah, and took the Westmore all the credit. Um, to this day, the Westmore clan still... Do things in Hollywood, don't they? Um, they work. You know, one of the Westmores worked on Star Trek: Next Generation. Mm. Uh, yeah, they they were Bud. Bud especially was from from all all accounts wasn't a particularly nice man. Nope. And he's the it's one who took over the, from yeah. Jack Pierce, yeah, wasn't he it? Took over, yeah, yeah. Him and Jack um, Kevin, yes. Yes, yeah, and uh, you know. I'm sure they they had skills and they were probably nice family men and that. But yeah, business wise, they were a bit ruthless. Yeah, um, yeah. And their techniques were completely different to Jack's, as yes. you say. Jack's uh, approach was to build up layers. Um, these two, they much preferred using foam rubber, basically yeah. creating masks. Well, I, I I always like to think of it that that Jack was uh, uh, Jack P. Pierce was a sculptor, and he would chisel out these monsters from bare stone 
whereas uh, the Westmores were recasters. Mm. They just they just poured a bit of resin, a bit of foam. Well, they presumably um, would have had yeah. all the moulds from all Jack's stuff. I mean, Jack left, but his workshop yeah. stayed. Yeah, they they never were really were very innovators. They would just no. They rode on the coattails of others, yeah, didn't they? A cheaper way of doing something that someone else had already designed, done, made popular. Hmm. Um, and like I say, you you can tell in this one that, that the appliances are foam rubber because they move in a very different way than Jack Pierce's did, especially the Wolfman. And it, it's all a bit soft. Hmm. Um, they they also went from. Uh, doing the for black and white filming again it could be due to film stock changes and that but they went away from the uh the pallid green color that frankenstein monster was to a, a silver didn't they for, yes yeah 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 it was more of a silvery French. color yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. all right um the monster in flames at the yes. end um, yeah, you're right. It's a dummy that they set on light yeah. and uh, was being pulled along on a cable. It was as basic as that. Yeah, um, it's very thin dummy as well. Yeah, not at all like Glenn St- Strange. No. And uh, final snippet, um, it's unsure who did the animation sequences of you know oh, really? Dracula to Bat and yeah. Bat to Dracula. Some believe they were done by um, Universal's animator Walter Lance, you know, the yeah. man who came up with yeah. Woody Woodpecker. Um, but other people think, well, if, if, if Walter Lance was doing anything, he would have been doing the opening animation yeah, on the yeah. opening credits. That's why his name's there. Because they are in a Woody Woodpecker sort of style, aren't they? They are, they are. But uh, others are saying that it was David Horsley and Jerome Ash who had taken over the special effects department um, because John Fulton, who was head of special effects, yeah. he was got rid of same time as Jack Pierce yeah. was. Yeah, he, you know? he, was, he was the guy that did all the uh, electrical effects and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and these are two special effects bods, so yeah. maybe it was it them. Maybe, could maybe, be. maybe. I suppose the thing is, it's, it's, it's weird to think back now, but it was literally a factory at that point. Yes. So it just whoever, whoever was in that room at the time probably would have been given the task to do something. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird way of working. It's a wonder anything of quality ever came out of Universal during this period. Yeah, indeed. Um, I was just thinking, in fact, I'm typing it in now, right? Yeah. Uh, the Invisible Man, right? Yes. What year was Universal's Invisible Man? The first one was 30, I want to say 33. I'm going to type in Invisible Man Universal. That should tell me. It was one of the very early, I think they did. 1933, you're exactly right. Yeah, Yeah. because I'm thinking, okay, here's a hypothetical for you. Um, As I say, you know, I like like the monsters in the film. I'm not that keen on Abba and Costello. (laughs) And this was made in 48, wasn't it? Yes. What about if, say, like, you know, nine years before, in 1939, you had Laurel and Hardy meet Frankenstein, and you would have had Laurel and Hardy meeting Claude Rains's Invisible Man, Bella Lugosi's Dracula, and Boris Karloff's Frankenstein? That would have been something. (laughs) I think that would be my my favourite ever uh, yeah. horror film that ever would, yeah that's that's an alternative world i want to live in God, can you um, imagine that that would have been amazing because I, I i love the, the the few horror shorts that uh Lauren hardy did like the Lauren hardy murder case and oliver the eighth 
I think it would have been amazing. It would have been brilliant. Oliver the Eighth, that moment when that butler comes round the door oh. and he does that thing with his dentures, with his teeth, yeah, <laughs> creeps me the hell out. Yeah. That, that, that's I, up there with um, you know the original Nosferatu for me yeah, when he does yeah. that. <laughs> Jesus, I love it. I watched that um, about a year ago. Um, I bought a big like suitcase box set of Lana Hardy. Oh, I know the one. Yeah, you know the one. Yeah, and it was in it, and I watched it, and it's held up so well. It's just remarkable. It's creepy as hell. Um, yeah, I would love to have seen that because as much as I do, I I do like Bud and Lou. They're not in the same league. No, no. as Lana and Hardy. No. Oh, that that yeah, that's that you need to write that one. Yeah, we need a time machine. Go back and make yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, one one last thing uh, before we go today. I, I was thinking as we've been waffling away, you, you know, at the beginning you said uh, what your favourite werewolves. I've I've come up with some more film werewolves. Uh, the Nazi the Nazi werewolves in American Werewolf in London, when you know yep. they burst through the door. Because how can a werewolf be even more evil? Put it in a Nazi, Nazi outfit, and uh, of course Oliver Reed in Curse of the Werewolf. Yes, he's a great werewolf. Actually, that's a good film. It's mm. very, very unusual Hammer film, but that's a good film. Perhaps we should do. Let's do. Um, this is probably going to be very obvious, but um, favorite screen Dracula. All right. What? What? Top three? Top five? Yeah. Let's do, yeah, let's do top three. There's, and apologies because we haven't thought. We haven't put any planning into this. So let's do top three Draculas, top three Frankenstein's, and top three werewolves all right okay i'm writing this down okay. so i've got it for like dracula frankenstein and werewolves three to, we'll go three to one shall we yeah three At, to one and okay. and listener if, if if you care to go on our facebook page you can let us know uh, i've got to have a thing i well i, I know and, and it is actually dracula not not screen vampire but properly dracula. no no dracula yeah it's dracula the character all yeah, right. Not, not just um, a vampire. All right. Spike off Buffy would win every time, wouldn't he? Um, <laughs> All right. So num- number three, Dracula. Number three, Dracula. I, I know my number two, uh, two and one. Number three. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'll tell you what. It, it's quite a guilty one, but I quite like yeah. Gary Oldman in places in the Coppola one. Really? See, he didn't gel with me whatsoever. No, some of it. The old man yeah. one. The old man version, I th- I thought, weren't bad. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, to be to be honest, that and it's much, I suppose a lot like the Dracula book. So perhaps it was quite accurate. Um, all yes. the stuff in Dracula's Castle, I think, is really good, other than Jonathan Harker's accent. But ah, uh, you know, it's Keanu. Um, yeah, as an old man, I think Gary Oldman's putting a bit of effort into it. But when he becomes a romantic lead, nah, I don't I don't want a romantic Dracula really. All oh, right. No, no, when it becomes a love story, yeah. it's like, oh no, sod off. You know, you can get stuffed. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, ooh, number th- you tell me your number three, because uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going between two at the moment. I, I can't decide. You, yeah, you I, tell me your third, and, and then I'll, I'll make my mind I, up. I was, I was Tom, because I do, I quite like Louis Jordan's BBC performance, even though it's like Poverty Row. I quite like it, but for me, number three would be um, again, and I just I'm contradicting myself because he is a romantic Dracula. Is Frank Langella? I right. Think I, I enjoyed his performance. I like that film. It's 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 weirdly um, truncated, but I do. I think he 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 plays a good Dracula. All right. I was thinking about Louis Jordan. It was him or another one. Right. This is yeah. going to be controversial. I've gone for the other one. 
and oh, Jack Plants, is it? It is. It oh, is. I like him. I I, I, I like him. There's just something about that adaptation. It, There's something about the tone well. of it and his performance. Yeah. Um, it's weird as well that in the Jack Palance one, you sort of forget because he, he became a bit of a, um, uh, you know, a, a meme later on in his career. But at one point, he was a damn fine actor. Yes. Um, and that was probably the last performance he put any effort into, I think. Yeah, it's good, good film, actually. I do like the uh, supporting cast in that one as it's well. It's just so bleak, yeah. that yeah, film, you know? Yeah, very unusual. Yeah. All right, so that's our threes. What's yep. your two? I, I, I think two, I can these, guess your you two. You can guess. These are your obvious. Uh, number, number two is, uh, uh, is Christopher Lee. Yeah, I thought uh, so. You know, I, I, I have some issues with it, but over the whole run, I, yeah, he, he, he's class. All right. What's your number two? You and I are swapping our ones and twos because yeah, per, my, my number two is Lugosi. And yeah. so, yeah, my number one is Lee. And your number and one is, is Lugosi. Lugosi yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ca- I kind class. of thought that might happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Frankenstein's. Worst <laughs> oh, without doubt, that awful. What is his name? I've, I've said it before on this show, and I went into a right ramp with Kelly over it. Is it Richard Roxburgh? Oh, guy, Richard Roxburgh. Yeah. The guy with oh, the boot. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah. He was awful. From um, Van Helsing. Yeah. yeah. Shockingly I... bad. I have a, a soft spot for him playing Dracula, but as Dracula, he is awful. But I quite like that character. But that I, character I just got Dracula. incredibly irritated. Yeah. I, I wanted to hit him. Oh <laughs> God, yeah. Oh blimey, yes. Um, yeah, Frankenstein's. Then this, this is. Ah, this might be interesting. I don't think Bella's going to win it for me. Um, third, third favorite Frankenstein. Um, I think it's going to be. Um, my third favourite is Glenn Strange. All right. Um, he didn't do a lot, but when he laid there, he looked all right. <laughs> he lay there dead. He was all right. Yeah, yeah he was all right when he laid there. The word I, I know. My weirdly, I'm going to do my worst Frankenstein ever, and I join you. It's the twat from Van Helsing. Yeah. The fat, the fat fella that that. Uh, Something uh, Frankenstein dies and he goes, Oh, oh, woe is me! Yeah, that was like, Oh, god, what? Oh, what? That was pretty bad, pretty bad. All right, uh, my number three again, controversial one, and uh, my third number three Frankenstein is uh, solely because it is just so bloody odd, and that's Charles Ogle. I, uh, I've only ever seen a really ropey copy. It's on YouTube, uh, you you know, all the bits. Of course, this is 1910, and it lasts about eight minutes. It is so bizarre and so odd, and and, and the way he's created, and they make a little rod rod puppet. Me and Matt did an effectively speaking on it. Um, We did a Frankenstein special, and, uh, yeah, that is is one peculiar Frankenstein's monster. It's, it's an odd film. It's a good film in that um, you can watch it quickly. It's only about what eleven minutes long. Or something. Oh, it's less than that. I think it's under ten minutes. Yeah, wow. from start to finish. <laughs> they, they knew. They knew not to waste time back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. What's um, uh, your number two? Number two. So this is a, a quite controversial because it's generally regarded as being awful. But I, I think the way he's playing it is actually great. Um, is uh, is Lon Chaney um, from Ghost of Frankenstein. Right. Um, which isn't a great film, but I once watched it 
and I had a bit of a fever. I, was, I, I think it was when I had pneumonia. I had a bit of a fever. And I watched it, and it was the most surreal thing. And the end scared the crap out of me. And this is not that many years ago. Um, and, yeah, the, I think he plays it, especially at the end when he, he comes back to full power. And he's playing it as a very dangerous creature. Um, but he is a bit of a plank of wood. But I do like that performance. I think it's a, it's, it, it's a good quality film. All right. Uh, my number two is... Uh, Christopher Lee in Curse yeah. of Frankenstein. The makeup in close-ups, you can see it's a bit of, yeah. you, know, you, you, you know, a bit of um, plaster or whatever stuck to his uh, face. But his performance, he's a very sympathetic yes, yeah, monster very, and menacing as well. Yeah, I think he's a bit too sympathetic. I think the trouble is as well, he, um, he loses me a bit because I, I want my monsters to be a bit sympathetic. But then in one sequence when he kills... Um, and presumably rapes as well uh, the Frankenstein's pregnant maid. Mm. <laughs> the housekeeper he's got pregnant. And it's like, ooh. But, uh, yeah, it's not, not a bad performance. Um, There's like far worse uh, <laughs> Hammer ones, aren't there? Yes. Ah, oh, what is that? Ah, oh, which was the one? You've right, got Kiwi Kingston. Are you talking about Kiwi Kingston? Kiwi's terrible, yes. So is Dave Prowse um, as well. Uh, Dave both, Prowse is both awful. Both versions. Said, yeah. <laughs> was Kiwi the one that they based the mask on the, the Universal one? That's the one. The yeah, they finally yeah, had Universal's um, um, go-ahead. You can use Jack Pierce's yeah. designs, and they completely cocked it up. It was awful, yeah. Just, yeah. just terrible. Um this sort of, yeah, I suppose none of us chose. Um, well, we don't know yet, but none of us has chose Herman Munster. Is he a Frankenstein? He might be my number one. He might you never know. One. Who's your uh, number my, one? My number one, Boris. Sorry, yeah, yeah, ba snap. Boris. Yeah, he's just the 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 first film is just class. It's just amazing. The second one, although he's put on a bit of weight. That's where the performance comes in, and again, he's sympathetic. And when he's with the hermit, and that is. It's brilliant. He's so good. And Son of Frankenstein, even though he doesn't do a lot, he gets that that scene at the end. And it, yeah, he's he's class. Mm, yeah. He's 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 given it the total amount of respect that it deserves. He's not he's he's not given it one whit less than his full no. endeavour. No. God he is. Him. Yeah, you say Frankenstein, you, you you have a image of Karloff in your head, of don't you? you? Yeah. Straight away. All right, werewolf though. Uh, I, I think there might this be a bit of variation cool. because it is tricky, especially especially these days. You know, um, there are just so many naff CGI versions yes. now. Yeah, were werewolves seem to have suffered more from the CGI curse than um, than most creatures. Don't it? You don't generally get CGI Frankenstein's or Dracula's, but yeah, you, you know, throw throw a brick at a a video collection, you're probably going to hit a werewolf film with CGI werewolves in it. Mm, yeah. um, the worst, I think, is probably easy for me, is uh, an American werewolf in Paris. Yeah, that is crap. <laughs> bollocks. What the hell? How that, how that didn't get investigated for fraud? Because it, like, <laughs> it was like, hang on, you spent what? How much? 60 million on this? What? It is yeah. shockingly someone, bad. Someone got a yacht out of that, I reckon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah terrible, terrible. Th uh, third... Third for me is probably going to be Lon Chaney's version, which I do love. But like you say, it's hard to remember that it was scary now. Mm. Um, but it is iconic. I, yeah, it's it it it's, it's 
I like it. It's it's a good werewolf. Yeah. It's a werewolf wearing suit pants and a shirt, and I think that's smart, you know. <laughs> and in the forties, with the uh, yeah the belt right up to the arm. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how you defeated a werewolf. You just um, you just pulled it up a bit more and it wedged him. <laughs> yes, wedged. Yeah, I I think for three I'll go with the dog soldiers yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, 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 that, that good. I, I, I think, yeah. you know, that, that, that was a shot in the arm for the werewolf yeah. subgenre. Shock, shockingly low budget, but very effective. Film, yeah. Filmmaker that knows the effectiveness of not showing your monster. Yes. Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, two, two, um, I, I, I'd, I'd sort of forgotten about this performance, but I, I agree that it, it's really good. Is Ollie Reed? Again, a, a very underrated actor at times. He he played certain roles and he played them well. I don't think he was very versatile. But yeah, this if if no if you haven't seen it because it's quite a rare one now, isn't it? Mm. Don't, it's not repeated very often. It's worth uh, it's worth going out and getting the Curse of the Werewolf. No, that that is it is something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm agreeing. I mean, if 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 maybe the ending of American Wealth in London was just filmed a little bit differently so you didn't yeah. have that oh so obviously animatronic one on a trolley being shoved forward yes yeah or the one you know when it's running around piccadilly circus snapping and it's just like a big dog yeah that's the bit that gets me it's like oh okay no um that m- m- maybe I, I mean i love all the transformation scenes yeah and as i, as I say I, I love the nightmare bits i mean just things like you know where, where yeah. when jack's in the uh in the in the hotel room, uh, bedroom, and he opens yeah, his eyes, yeah. and he's got those yellow, bright yellow eyes. You know, yeah, all, all the peripheries are brilliant in that. Yeah, film, but the but final yeah, version lets yeah. it down for I don't, me. They, they just couldn't do it, could they? They just couldn't do it. Although to make up for it, you've got Jenny Agatha in a nurse's uniform. Yes, so. you, we do have that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not going to be doing top three nurses in films. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> we'll hold off for yeah, that for another day. For it, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so you're number one then. Number one, uh, Dog Soldiers. Ah, um, right. For the reasons you said, I love it. It's a film that can still scare me. It still surprises me, even though I know the story. Um, I love Sean Pertwee. Um, he's brilliant. But yeah, the, the werewolves in it are scary. I think it's it's the closest one to the the scariness I I felt when I probably watched what probably be your first choice, which was um, uh, Howling. Yes, yeah, yeah, that that is my number which one. The Howling. The crap out of me, yeah. yeah, and I, I I can actually cite the actual moment. In that really? film, that uh, I mean, you've got all the fantastic, um, you, you, you know, special effects, the transformations, and everything. But the the quintessential moment for me that sums everything up is when the girl near the end, she's going through the filing cabinet, and this hand just comes in and picks the folder out of her hand. That's Eddie as a werewolf. This isn't a a, yeah. a, 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 a lumbering brute. This is an intelligent creature. You know, yeah. which was radical for that time. It was, yeah, because the the werewolf is generally, it's meant to be the animal side of humanity, isn't it? It's yeah, it's the beast. Nature. Yeah, and but um, an intelligent. I yeah, I love the beginning of that film. I love the end of that film. I just find the middle a little bit dull. You say worst werewolf, right? To me, oh, the worst, worst yeah. werewolf is in the Howling. Even though I love the Howling, and it's at the very end when D Wallace live on air turning oh yes werewolf, and she yeah. turns into this little poodle 
Yes, it version. does look like a poodle. I, yeah, that, you're right. That's amazing. So this film, yeah, like The Howling, has, the yeah, this film has the best, the be- and, the worst. The best yeah. and the worst. And I, I, I love it. I love the design. I love this radical view of new look of, of, of a werewolf. It's been done a million times since yes. since CGI. <laughs> you know, the underworld um, uh, werewolves yeah. completely ripped it off, didn't they? Yeah, the, un- the underworld films have got a lot to answer for really yeah yeah all right and that's pretty much us done we haven't voted out of 10 on the effects uh and that would be it in general what we've seen you know not an awful lot of special effects but it's given us the opportunity to talk about you know Abbott costello meet frankenstein but what do you think we we've hung we've hung our discussion vaguely on the effects yes we can't i presume we can't effects as in the makeup effects. Makeup effects, yeah. Did. Also the animations that we've got. We've got yeah. the model work with the castle. I, and... I'm going to go with a very, very solid, because these are all classic. They're not the best versions of them, but they are all classic um, creatures. The the effects work, I like the, you know, the bat in the eye, that sort of thing, mm. and the turning into bat. I think they all work very well. So I'm going to give it a very, very solid seven and a half. Seven and a half. All right, well, I gave it seven. All right, right, so that's 7.25. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad, no, I think is that's, it? Yeah, there may be a bit of nostalgia in that, but I think it all holds up. I don't think there's any real duff effects in this film. No, I don't. You look at and laugh. Well, you look at the cartoon bits and it's like, that's a cartoon. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's... If, if this was in, you know... Uh, Bride of Frankenstein or the first Frankenstein, then yeah, you've got problem. But this yes. is this is a comedy horror film, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. so... if any, if anyone says I don't like this film because I can't believe the bat effects, it's like you you can't believe that, but you believe all the rest. You know, yes. it's Abbott and Costello. Yeah, I agree. If this if that effect was in in the nineteen thirty one Dracula, then it would stand out like a sort of thumb. No one can turn around and say I, I'm not convinced by that effect. I mean, you're no. talking about a bat that then transforms into a vampire wearing clothes. Yes. You know, the basic premise is unbelievable, so you it's, can't it's say it's not a believable and all, effect. Also, I'd, and I think this this feeds back into our like when you say I'd rather have a, a model of a spaceship that's not well done than an okay done CGI because you've got that. And I think this is the same. This is animation. This was done by Craftsman. It yep. may not be 100% convincing, but I'd rather have this over the tired old morphing CGI effect. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Totally yeah. agree. Oh, that's a nice way to finish it. So thanks okay. for that, Ian. No, I, I really enjoyed that one. An unusual subject to it what is. we normally discuss. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah. well, and it gave me a chance to watch it last night as well. Again. Yes, yeah, I, I, I watched it uh, over lunch today. Um, and yeah, very nice to watch that again. Yeah, so thank you for that. Um, talking about not our usual subjects, of course, next time you're back on this show, um, you're coming back for our very first coverage of... Will the listener know what that was? Yes, it's yes, Captain Scarlet. You're coming back for Captain Scarlet, aren't you? Next time. Yes, yeah. Which I can't believe we haven't discussed yet. No, nor can I. Nor can I. We've done Stingray, but not Captain Scarlet. (laughs) One by one, we're working through. Yes, yeah, yeah. All right, okay, Ian. Thanks for that. And no no uh, problem. Thank you. See you soon. All right. Thanks, Ian. Cheers, Ian. Bye bye. 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 B